And away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring... Mr. Stone Gossip. Folks, welcome to episode two of Live on Four Legs, the Pearl Jam Live Experience podcast. It's Randy Sobel here with Maddie Gramadage. Hello, sir. How was your How was your week since we've uh, done the last show since we recorded? The week was pretty good. Had a lot of positive feedback on the Facebook and the Instagram and the Twitter and the YouTube and all that stuff. So yeah, good week. Uh, tough to keep up with though, right? There's a lot of kind of a lot of stuff going on that we got to keep on top of now. Yeah, there really is. Um, just finding places to post the podcast that isn't just SoundCloud. Uh, we just got accepted to Google Play. So if you use Google Play, feel free to subscribe to us on there. Uh, YouTube as well. We're working on others at the moment. And maybe by the time that this podcast airs, who knows, they'll probably be there. So a lot of stuff to do. A lot of stuff to do. And you're right, like checking the Twitter accounts. Um, we got a lot of help this week from uh, people, your brother, my brother, just promoting it all over the place. I, I got emails from people I haven't talked to in ages saying like, hey, I I listened or I sent this to a friend who's a really big fan and they listened and, you know, it's it's cool. It's cool to hear all that stuff. Absolutely. So uh, as we had talked about last week, last week we got into night one and uh, the reaction from it was uh, pretty much positive from the, from the most part. I think some people had a couple of like small criticisms about the show itself and that's understandable but you know as far as entertainment wise i i think everybody was pretty happy with how everything went i think uh i think they like what we're doing so i think we got to keep it up i think so too Two episodes in yeah not even yeah no we're we're um we're in it now you know there's no going back but i uh, i think a lot of the people that met us and a lot of people that know us liked it and uh, i know a lot of people that aren't huge pearl jam fans but found it interesting from a musical standpoint, I guess. Uh, and who knows, maybe they're Pearl Jam fans now. I hope so. I, I, yeah, me too. I'm horrible like this. Cause I always, whenever there's something that I get really into, I try to convince people like, Hey, if I'm really into it, you should be into it too. That's never going to be the case. Cause if that's the case, then, you know, maybe I should be an NBA fan or something <laughs> like that. But, um, all right. Uh, let's, let's dig into night two now. And, uh, this was one was really special for both of us. I think, uh, 
for anybody that thought there might have been some negativity with the last episode, uh, first of all, we're not here to bow to their every command and every and love everything that they they do. We're not here to do that. Um, that would be a really really boring show. So uh, it would be it would be a bit of a waste of time, I think, just to come out here and blow smoke yeah. every single time. Um, if we don't like something, we're going to tell you that we don't like it. And the whole point is for you guys to disagree with us because we want to hear why you disagree. People don't listen to somebody. And if you're not on the East Coast, if you're not in New York, you're not going to know who Mike Francesa is. But people don't listen to Mike Francesa, who is called the godfather of New York sports. People don't listen to him to agree with him. People want to argue with him and they want to complain to him. Uh, tell him he's wrong. So if that can be a little bit of the case, we'll, we'll be a lot friendlier than him. We'll be a lot less stubborn than he is. We'll be stubborn if we have to be, but we're not going to be Mike Francesa-ish, but we still want that, you know, if you're going to disagree with us on something, then that's the best recipe for a show, you know. I'll, uh, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're, uh, we're, we're not negative people, um, but we are honest. But we're, we're you know, we're going to be nice about it. We're not, we're not saying... Yeah, but I, I, I will say, I don't think there's going to be a lot of negativity in this episode, just uh, because this day, all in all, was such a great day for both of us. Um, you know, having about two weeks to promote the show and kind of promote what we were doing and promote that we were giving out t-shirts. So let's, uh, let's kind of start out earlier in the day. You picked me up at six thirty around then. And we last about almost two and a half hours in the car because of the little traffic doing some videos and things like that. Um, but we get, we get in nine o'clock and, uh, we have to thank our friend Bill who waited online and didn't have to, and he was able to uh, help us out with some posters, which was really cool of him. Uh, so we were able to get the posters. You waited on a, another line for merch, and you got everything you wanted. I think we, I think we killed it. I, I think we killed it with merch. I remember driving in the car, and we got that confirmation that we were, you know, having someone pick up the posters for us. And I think we both had that. That giant um, weight lifted off our shoulders, and uh, and the, the car ride got a lot less tense from then on. You know, I think we were. Yes. That's when we were able to really start looking at the day ahead positively, sure. instead of starting it off uh, stressfully on a merch line, which a lot of people did every single day. Those stores were open, so I'm glad we didn't have to do that, and that didn't last as long as we thought it was going to. I know, and the Tuesday lines really weren't too bad. Uh, all in all. I, I, I saw horror stories. I, I, that's why I wanted to leave as early as we did. And I, I figured by the time the show started, we would both be just, especially you having to work the day before and having gigs uh, the prior weekend and then doing uh, more gigs the day after and then setting up the podcast. You, you especially had a busy, really busy week. It was all worth it. Yeah, of course. In the end, it really was awesome. So... Again, we got everything that we wanted. I think we got some extra stuff that we're going to plan to raffle off for the podcast at some point. Yeah, we got a little, we got a little giveaway idea. Yeah, and uh, I think you guys will enjoy that. I, uh, knowing, knowing from this crowd, uh, you guys have enjoyed free stuff 
ever since the get-go. So there's nothing wrong with that, but uh, there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. <laughs> and we we want to give you as much free free stuff as as we possibly can. So as much as we can afford. Yeah, that is absolutely true. So <laughs> we, after getting merch, we kind of hung out for a little bit, and then it was kind of from there out promoting ourselves and just walking into people giving our card out and i'm not really a big fan of stopping people on the street trying to hand them stuff that they might throw out in five minutes but for the most part at least earlier in the day i think we found people who reacted pretty positively to it they looked at it and they were like oh okay this this sounds pretty cool instead of saying uh, get out of my face we hit the we hit that pavement pretty hard and uh we actually made a lot of really cool friends passing those out you know some people of course will just give you the side eye and they listen to what you have to say and they keep moving and then there are some people that found us later on in the day came to the meetup we traded information we traded phone numbers with have kept in touch with them uh still a week later and I, I, I plan on keeping in touch with them. They were all really fantastic people. Then there were people that we ran into that were like, oh, yeah, I know you guys. And we were both like, what's going on? What do you mean you know us? We, we've only been doing this for a week. Uh, I think Frederick was the one, him and his, his friend, I can't remember his friend's name, but they were wearing a Germany shirt and I want to say a London shirt or was it something else? Yeah, it was the, it was, it was London. I think it was the Ravens, right? Okay. Yeah. It was, I thought one was a wolf. Was Germany a wolf? I can't remember. Anyway, they were, they, they ran into us a couple of times and they were trying to find as many people as they could to take a big group picture with all of uh, those European tour shirts. And the animal shirts. We, we were able to find somebody else that had it, and I hope they were able to get a good picture from it. Yeah, just a cool idea. You know, maybe next time we'll set something up, something like that. But people like that, he had been, Frederick had been following us on Facebook, so he knew all about us. And to me, it's like, we've been doing this for, for two weeks. How would anybody know what was going on? And that, that kind of blew us away. And that people wanted to come to Game On and talk to us and come even uh, see what we were doing at Wishlist when we were doing a live video. And people were really paying attention to that. That was just a really, really surreal and cool feeling. Yeah, quick shout out to the Wishlist staff who were running the um, raffle booths and the gentleman who was uh, running the, the get-together over there at Lucky Strike. They let us leave our business cards on the table and they all got passed out and they didn't have to do that and they let us and we really appreciate that. That was very nice of you and hopefully we'll be able to um, do something nice for you guys in the world of charity coming up because um, it's all about helping each other out. So of course. we have ideas for stuff like that as well. Yeah, we absolutely... Uh, I might have told a couple people some some of our plans, but you know, I, I feel like we've been uh, teasing a lot of stuff, <laughs> but we uh, we haven't been giving out any information, and we're not going to give out information yet. But we're not going to hold it in for too long. We just want you guys to know we have a lot of ideas. There's not going to be any shortage of ideas or anything coming up. So we're just going to keep talking about how we have the ideas, but we're not going to tell you what they are yet. But we <laughs> but we have them. We have lots of ideas. We we promise we have lots of ideas. We're we're not lying politicians this is how we keep them coming back you know this is how we hook them in <laughs> sorry that's not no it's not giving them things it's not giving <laughs> them things that they want they don't want that they just want mm. the idea of things that they want well we'll keep planting that idea don't worry it's coming don't worry false promises um 
So I guess it was around two o'clock that we went over to Game On, which was uh, the place that we set up our set up shop for the uh, the meetup. And right away we saw there was a bunch of people at the bar, and they were like, "Oh, hey, are you the guys? Are are you them?" And you know, we talked. I love that them. on the you know standing on the merch lines. I loved hearing that. Hey, podcast guys, yeah, that's <laughs> us. Yeah, yeah, we're we're yeah, podcast guys. Yeah, right, and. You know, we're still trying to get our name out there and everything. We we have over a hundred listens on SoundCloud already, which is awesome. Um, and hoping to get more. Tell your friends. I keep telling Ten Club uh, groups and things like that. I want to give a quick thank you also to Game On. We kind of came in there. We were being a bit of a pain in the ass, and the um, the wait staff there they uh, dealt with us very professionally, and I thought they were. Um, really nice and uh, they helped us a lot and they were very polite so big plug for game on over there in fenway awesome apps great beer great staff thank you i was talking too much to people that i didn't even get to have a pretzel which which bummed me out oh man dude oh the pretzel and the and the the cheese dip man it's really good yeah you know last time we went uh when we went for a red Sox game we went to cask and flag and and we had a really like a monster pretzel. It was one of the ones that are that dangle from uh, from the wire. It's like a Christmas tree decoration. <laughs> I can actually put a pretzel on my Christmas tree. Yeah, I'd love totally. To do that. Oh, sure. Who wouldn't? I I actually have a Christmas tree now. Yeah. La- last year was the first time I ever had one. Amazing, right? Well, seeing as how you're Jewish, it's not really that <laughs> shocking. <laughs> but. I need some Pearl Jam ornaments. I'd well, you know, we'll have to come up with some live on four legs Christmas ornaments. Yeah. Oh, that's a really good idea. That's smart. And that wasn't pre-planned or that anything not, like that, fellas. That was not scripted. Not I just scripted. thought about that now. But uh, yeah, man, game on. Two o'clock hit for our for our meetup. Yep. And we were able to give out every single one of our shirts, even if we tried to hold one for you um, and didn't find you. We apologize and. We're going to put more shirts out, and right now we are done giving away free shirts. Uh, I'm sorry about that, but if people really want the Massachusetts one, we'll make more Massachusetts one. I posted something earlier this week that asked you guys which ones you wanted. Um, Thinking about doing Illinois and New York and Washington and a bunch of other ones. We're just going to put them all out there, and whatever sells, sells, and we'll just keep doing it. So. And we'll keep making more. Those aren't going to be the only options. And uh, we give them all out. And can we uh, real quick try to think of everybody that came by and said hello to us uh, on Tuesday? Oh, I mean, I could I could picture everybody. Oh, yeah. Um, we, have, we have a couple of pictures, photographic evidence. We have some photographic evidence, yes. I'll start then. Julie and Tom, they had been commenting from the beginning and i remember seeing both of them there they were there from like right when we walked in brock was another one that came by brock came by yep i just found brock's uh, business card in my wallet i forgot he had given me a business oh, card. cool yeah oh i i didn't get i didn't get one of his cards okay, uh, it cool. was on the way out it's to talk okay. to him. uh jay who is my neighbor uh and his 16 year old son who I'm sorry, but we can't remember his name right now, but it was his first show. First timer. We would love to know what his experience was. And then we had the big group featuring Sal, Kathy, Shannon, and Anthony, and they were all awesome. And I think there's about 2,000 
uh, different shows that they've all went to between the four of them. And yeah, and we're going to be getting in touch with those guys big time. They have, I think, they have a lot of good stuff that they could contribute to the podcast. Absolutely, absolutely. I, and I, I can't wait to hear their stories, especially Kathy's, who is just she's one of the ultimate Pearl Jam fans that you'll ever come across. So what was she up to? What show was she? She up doesn't to? even know. She was like one ninety something at that point. Who cares? You're just going. You're just enjoying yourself. So they had them. Uh, we had our buddy Isaac, who was his birthday, and we got him a little present and his whole family. Uh, Isaac was uh, he was turning nine years old, I believe, and it was also his very first show. Yep, he was wearing an ACDC shirt, rocking out, and uh, I heard he had a really good time. I heard he loved it. I heard he wanted to to go back very soon. Great. Um, who else? Uh, obviously, Buckley and Gianna. Like oh, our our boy Chris Buckley. Yeah, we knew we were going to be pals from the beginning. Kid's a Mets fan. He'd been to every single show that I had been to, and he's from Long Island. So we had a we had a very early bond with the with both of them. And then a couple of people that we met along the way, including our uh, Soundgarden friends. I don't remember their names. I think one of their names was Jay. I don't remember though. They had some really interesting stories about back in the day. Oh yeah, uh, they said they met Dave A. Uh, talked to Dave A over the phone on Christmas Eve or something like that. I think I have that story recorded, and uh, that's a cool one to play at some point. Uh, and Sean, who we were able to get him a shirt at the last minute, that was yeah. pretty funny. That was pretty cool. Uh, literally running around the downstairs. I felt like when when we got that Facebook message as we were leaving Game On to go into Fenway Park, I said to myself, I said, you know, we got to go back. We got to, I feel like he's been here a while. He missed us, but we were there. Yeah. And I said, Randy, let's go back inside. We got to get this guy's shirt. Oh, never regret it. He was such a really good dude. Loved talking to him. Absolutely. Uh, seemed genuinely happy that we were doing this. And those are the kind of people you want to keep close to, to your friends list. So, and everybody that we met and, um, our friends from Newport, Rhode Island as well. Uh, again, I'm really sorry if I can't remember names. I'm remembering like little bits and pieces of information. So if I'm giving you a shout out and I'm not mentioning you by name, please send me a message and just saying, hey, it's it's me. It's so-and-so, you know, remember we met and we talked for like 20 minutes. I will never forget you after that. Um, Adrian Peterson is another one. Adrian Peterson, yeah, uh she was great. She came in, took some pictures. Not the running back, Adrian Peterson, obviously. No, I'm sure no, that's no, not no, the first no. or the last time she'll ever hear that, and I'm really sorry. And yeah, uh, there were when I was going around trying to give out shirts, uh, we had like a bunch of two XLs and XLs left, and then I just kind of went around the bar. I went around. I saw these two guys just standing around. I'm like, hey, you guys want some free shirts? And the guy's like. Oh yeah, you're you're the one from the the podcast. I know I I already follow you guys, and I'm like, and you're here, and you didn't come up with us. Uh, it, it was just kind of I don't remember. They were from Scranton because uh, they talked about the office a little bit, so I don't remember their names, but they were really uh, they were really nice. They were really cool too. Um, yep, and we can't forget uh, our skateboarding pals, uh, Mike and Will. Oh yeah, Mike and Will. Yeah, Mike. I've been talking to him. Uh, Texting with Mike all, all this week. He he wants to he wants to get some shirts and he, he wants to listen to the show. I don't know if he's listened yet, Great. but uh, and uh, and and someone who we we probably should have taken extra seats from uh, our boy uh, Destry that we met over at uh, uh, Lucky yeah. Strike. Yeah, can't forget Destry. Yeah. he told us a really really cool story about uh, 
his first show in Vegas. At the Aladdin. Yep, and we have that recorded, and we are going to tell that at some point in the near future. So, again, just such a fun experience just talking with everybody, and not just Pearl Jam, but music and all the above. It was just one big party. And Matt and I, around 6.30, were walking back to the car to drop off the rest of our stuff and we were just like this couldn't have gone better this was perfect couldn't have gone any better no and again this all i'll say it a billion times you know blah 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 if i'm kissing your ass great i I don't care i will say this every episode if i have to and i probably will this show does not work without you guys you know we might need you guys more because you know, first of all, we love you. And second of all, your experiences is what's going to make this interesting after the first couple episodes when we were really hitting hard and trying to get shows that we've never experienced under our belt, which we'll do at some point soon. So that was beautiful. Yeah. And that was uh, that was the early part of the day. And then we obviously told our story with uh, Jimmy and, and Allie and they'll come up in just a second uh, once we really get into the set. But Let's talk about what happened with us once we got in around 7 when we actually go in the ballpark. You want to take it from here? You want to start the story? Yeah, let me let me see if I could just uh, give you the uh, long story short here. Randy and I were desperate to go to this show, so we bought tickets and we paid a lot of money for them. We knew it didn't matter because we really wanted to go. Then we get into the ballpark and realize... We might have the worst seats that ever existed. These were complete side stage. Um, We would not have seen or heard anything. So we're moving around, and we're kind of uh, looking to see what's available. And uh, Randy put up a quick post, who's got some extra seats? And within, what, 15 seconds, we had two brand new seats given to us. Um, (laughs) who, Who sent those over to us, Randy? Um... Her name was Kristen. Uh, I don't remember her last name. I think she had a hyphenated last name. But her name was Kristen, and I, I sent her a message shortly after, and I said, thank you so much. She was the one that directed us to the post that said, you know, tickets up for grab, and those tickets belong to David Roth. Both of them, you know, just huge help for the night, um, mm-hmm. just helping us find our way into good seats. I thought the seats we ended up with were pretty great. I thought it sounded fantastic where we were. It was probably around 120 degrees under that overhang, but <laughs> totally worth it and such a such an upgrade. I'm sure I've sweat that much at shows before, but I can't remember a show that I sweat that much. It was I it was so hot. We were both we were both messy messy messes. I think it was like right after we got the tickets, we get to the seats, we kind of situate ourselves, we sit down and and not 5 minutes later does uh you know the the lights go on and and we got a show and it's just everything is just coming up millhouse at that point. Yeah, so Randy, I just want to say this is one of my favorite Pearl Jam shows I've ever been to. This show was uh, incredible. Right from the get-go, I knew this was going to be one of my favorite shows. Yeah. I have a list of the shows that I've been to, and I constantly change it up, and I have three that are really close to my heart and near and dear to my heart that I really think are the best, but this is 
this is up there somewhere. It has to be. The set list, the energy of the whole night was just perfect. And um, the crowd was fantastic. The sound was fantastic. Yeah. Everything, everything about this show was a home run. No pun intended. Maybe, maybe a bit of a pun intended on, on that show. But <laughs> um, you, you, you understand what I'm trying to say. Uh, this was, this oh, was great. I, I feel you. I feel you. And we start off the show with a song that was used as the opener for the second night at Wrigley Field, which I, I thought they were doing that then because it rained and they needed to start off fast and they needed to kind of pump up the crowd early but i guess they decided hey let's let's do that for this time so i think we have a bit a little bit of a different opinion on that i uh and we had talked to some people that said maybe you shouldn't open with this song and you thought maybe there was a reason behind it if there's a rain delay or whatever i hope maybe you see now that this is actually a very good opening song um, i agree I, I always thought i don't think there needs to be a reason behind uh this being an opening song i think the reason is it kicks ass i agree and you know what this isn't even compared the live to the studio track i'm totally in on the studio version of given a fly but i found a newfound appreciation for it at this show so we open the show with given a fly here it is. Here's a little taste of how this show got kicked off. sense that um, it was only getting bigger from there, that it was only getting louder, it was only going to get harder from there, and that's really what happened. Yeah, I think after night one, it seemed like they were just ready to go, and it seemed the energy and the feel in in the in the crowd. It felt like everyone was just kind of ready to ready to start, ready to go, and the band was just on the mark from minute one. Right away, I'm like, you know what? They got it tonight. Yeah, it was a great performance. And uh, I knew they were they were going to come out swinging, and they did. You know, I can't fail to mention uh, that the walk on song, the on stage song for all of the stadium shows, was "I Damnita," and uh, I thought that was pretty cool because. Now I got to ask you: Did you even notice it? I didn't even notice it. I. I I noticed it because I had known that they were doing it in Seattle. I knew yeah, that they yeah, did it no, in I Chicago. Was, I was expecting it. Uh, I knew it was gonna it was gonna play. I just think the crowd was just so ready, and my mind wasn't picking up that the walk on music was playing. That I'm like, did they did 
did they play it or I almost had glazed right over it immediately. Yeah, I guess it was a little hard to tell. Um, well, we, we were around some really great people uh, in our, in our which section. Which we'll talk so about was, later. Uh, we have a great yeah, story yeah. from that. Yeah, a little just kind of a weird, weird coincidence. Sure. But yeah, so Given a Fly, really good starter. Yep. And from Given a Fly, they go right into Animal, which is another just energetic, jumping, rocking song. And they are already in a freaking groove. Oh, you know what? You know what I have to mention before we go further? Go for it. Setless Leaks. We need to talk about Setless Leaks, yes. Yeah. Somebody on the 10 Club groups or whatever group it was when I was going through and I was looking for people that were giving away tickets or posting about it. I saw a notification come up and it said set list leak spoiler below. And I'm just like, really? We have to go through it. You know, then we got people messaging us. Hey, uh, I got the set list uh, message me if you want to see it. Uh, no. Why the, why the hell would I ever do that? Yeah. Uh, Thanks for the heads up. But no, I didn't I, want to know who died in Infinity War beforehand. I mean, everybody found out. And you but. know what? It was kind of a strange coincidence that their kickoff show earlier in the year, that set list was leaked as well. And I thought it was funny that they kind of That's right. bookended it. You know, first show, last show, set list leak. You can't stop it from happening. And people are going to do whatever they want to. If they find something, they, they want either want the attention or they want to show that, hey, look what I found, whatever it is. I never want to see that, especially if I'm at a show. I want to be surprised. And, and thankfully, you know, if, if you did happen to look at the set list, it wasn't, they made some changes to it. And we'll talk about that later. So it was a little bit different than what they had proposed, but still. Even with the changes, not enough, not enough of a surprise there if you had already seen the set. So yeah, I'm glad we got that out of the way. We do not like set list spoilers, especially when you're sitting in the stadium waiting for them to come on. I don't need to look at a set list. Exactly. So we move on. Animal was awesome. And we go from Animal to maybe one of my favorite Pearl Jam live songs that I almost never hear. Maybe I've heard three or four times in my 20 of going, but Save You. First of three ride tracks of the night, and god damn, do I get excited when I hear this song live. Me too. Riot Act kind of holds a special place, which I'll get to as we go down the set. I made a note here. Uh, it goes into that little instrumental breakdown there, and, and Jeff will usually kind of play his bass part for an extended amount of time. And he kept it really short in this performance. I mean short, almost album short. And I thought that was great. I'm like, you know, I don't I don't mind if you jam on it a little bit, but you're three songs in. You know, Eddie was already rambling at this point, you know, in the in, in night one. So Jeff was like, you know what? No, I'm gonna do this like the album. I'm gonna play this short. We're gonna just we're gonna keep going here. So when Eddie started singing, instead of having Jeff jam a little bit, I'm like, oh God, these, these guys are going for it tonight. They're, they're not wasting time. They're not dragging anything out. And uh, well, that, that's how I saw it, you know, because I've seen Jeff play that song and he'll go on that little interlude there for a while. And uh, that wasn't the case this time. And I, I think I turned to you and said, wow, that was really short. I, th I think they're trying, they're, they're trying to get it all in here tonight. <laughs> yep. Short and sweet. And you know what? Save you is that fast killer, killer part of the set, especially early. I love it in that three hole, if uh, so to speak. Dude, this opening is fantastic. It really is. And then we go, we go right from save you into arms aloft, uh, Joel Strummer cover. And it was only their second time playing it this year in 2018. And although it was a fun, fun song to hear live, I feel like 
they were a little off the mark with the song. It wasn't as tight as I expected it to be or wanted it to be or uh, as tight as other songs were. I'll give it a pass because they almost never play it. However, they did change the lyrics from Arms Aloft in Aberdeen to Arms Aloft at Fenway Pack. And I thought that was a cool little touch. This is one of the ones I don't really have a, a huge opinion on. I, I agree that it wasn't the best song of the night uh, performance-wise, but uh, it, that doesn't bother me. You know, it's a it's a cover. They're throwing it in, and it still sounded good enough. Right. You know, it, if you know if Save You was a little off the mark, I'd be a little bit more upset. But Arms Loft, it, it got the point across. It was good. Right. I thought it sounded good in that spot, too. It kept the opening going. I thought it was really good. Yep, and then it went right into Lightning Bolt, which is not one that we're unfamiliar with at this point in Pearl Jam's career. I think out of the few songs that they've kind of held over from Lightning Bolt, this is definitely in the top two or three that they still play from that album. And I love Lightning Bolt. I love the song. I think uh, others are a little sick of it at this point. Um, I'm not sick of it. I just, uh, you know, I always thought it was not a boring song, but it it never hooked me. It's not a bad song. It's just not one of those ones that I ever uh, connected to. So I thought it sounded great. And you and I had discussed before we had started the podcast that, you know, sometimes they would throw this in in like an encore too. It just doesn't fit. It doesn't fit there. It doesn't. I agree with you on that point. I, I like it here oh it fits perfect here uh, you know i'm not the biggest fan of the song but man i mean look at this look at this one through five already fully 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 agree with you they it was hard it was fast it was electric and it was energetic and the crowd they've fed into it it, it was it was perfect oh well i uh, hey i was with them i mean i was standing right next to you and, and you know it's not my favorite song but i they had me hook line and sinker i was bopping along man i was singing along of course yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm the opposite. I really like Lightning Bolt. I felt a connection to it. Um, I was there the first time they ever played it live at Wrigley in 2013, so I remember going back to my hotel room and being like, I want to hear it again, I want to hear it again, I want to hear it again, because this is before the album even hit. Little things like that are, are what make songs like that special, you know, Lightning sure. Bolt. And, uh, you know, if you, if, if you hear it once and, and it's great, it'll stay with you. Even if you don't like it on the album. Of course. You know, maybe maybe it'll do something for you live. Of course. And uh, after that, we get our first talking break. And uh, by the time that this time hit on night one, I think we've already had maybe one or two uh, talking breaks already. But he keeps it fairly short and sweet here he talks about this was this was short and mm-hmm. sweet he talks about a fan that had a sign in the crowd that said i've been to 192 shows and i think he's like oh i met people today that have been to one that have been to this and kind of talks about that stuff um yeah i think we'll get we'll get back to that 192 person later because they do come up in a different shape and form later but uh 192 man that is that's a lot that's a lot uh, was it this point where he made the joke? Um, the Boston is tropical joke. Yeah, I thought that was funny because I think I think we looked at each other at the same time. Like God, it is it is unbearable. Mm, Boston is not tropical, but yes, it, it you know was. what September fourth, it, it was tropical. I think he had mentioned just it was more in passing, uh, bringing up the fact that maybe he had wasted way too much time. The night before, I don't know if you caught up on that. I but did. He, he he hinted towards. He's like we're. Yeah, we're not going to talk. He either said we're not going to talk much, or we're we're going to get right through this. We're not going to waste. We're going to get through. Yeah, yeah. He didn't say it outright, but 
uh, you could tell what he was trying to say. That was that was a great sign for me. You know, I, as much as the fans don't like when they skip songs, I don't think the band likes it either. They have a, an agenda when they go out there. They have a plan, and when they don't stick to it, it's like, what happened, guys? What what uh, what went wrong out there? You know, did we spend too much time on this song to spend too much time on that? You know, think of it this way: you're up there on the stage. And you're playing and then, you know, someone breaks and they tell a story for 10 minutes. What do you think that does for momentum, for the crowd, for the band? It kills energy. You know, these guys are up there waiting around. Of course, they've been doing it for for decades. But, you know, when you're in a show and you're stopped for 10 minutes for really no good reason, you're going to you're going to lose some energy. You're going to lose the momentum. And then that might hurt you because I don't know if you feel forced to try to get the momentum back, but you might not be playing as well after that. So, right. Right. Um, which which did not occur night two. No, not at all. The, mo- the momentum it was, stayed. It was definitely a tale of two shows, and uh, this show proved that even after a little bit of stoppage that maybe lasted for no more than two and a half minutes or so, they go right into one of the songs that I was really requesting beforehand that I hadn't heard in a couple years, and here it is. Danny Clinch on harmonica for Red Mosquito, and again, that is pretty good. Pretty good player too. Oh my goodness! Yeah, wow. I he's just talented all over. Yeah, now Danny Clinch, he's the famous music photographer, right? Oh yeah, I know he does a lot of photography for Pearl Jam, and I think also for Eddie for his solo stuff. That as sounds well. about right. Does he do posters too, or is he not? Um, that I don't. That I don't know. I, I didn't research him too much. I know he's worked a lot with. Uh, Eddie and Pearl Jam, Dixie Chicks, I think Neil Young, I think Bruce Springsteen, guys like that. The guy could wail, dude. I, I thought he sounded great. Yeah, I I was very surprised. And I, I guess I didn't realize that it was him until after the show when doing some research. But that was my first time hearing Red Mosquito since PJ20 in 2011. If they played at night two, then it was probably exactly seven years ago from that date because they were both on the same dates. And surprisingly, for a song like Red Mosquito, it was the fifth time that they played it in 2018. They kind of went back to the well with it in Europe a little bit and then held off until uh, Boston hadn't played it for about seven or eight shows before giving it to us. It fit well with his uh, uh, tropical comment though. I think that was the last thing you said right before they went into it. They don't have too many tropical songs. So no, no. If there is one, I guess it's Red Mosquito, but who knows? Maybe Big Wave. Sure. <laughs> I mean, you can ride Big Waves in October. 
I'm never giving up on Big Wave. You you just you, you keep at it there, kid. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep at it. I'm gonna write them a letter. <laughs> Typewriter? It'll be polite. We move on into our the seventh song of the night and our second of three Riot Act songs, and Matt said it way, way, way beforehand that I said, oh, I don't think we'll get it because they did it at Fenway in 2016, and what did they do? They did I Am Mine, which is one of my favorites, which a lot of people will disagree with, but yeah, I, I told you, man, I, I had a feeling that it was coming, and it was exactly where I thought it would be, because that's normally where I see them do it, kind of in that 7-8 spot. Um, it's not a filler. It's not really a cool down either. It's it's kind of really right in the middle. Sure. Maybe a good sing along. I mean, you sing along to all the songs. I, I was about to say, yeah. I I, I kind of think that if they're not doing Elderly Woman, that's kind of the Elderly Woman replacement. If you're not playing it in the top three, because I am mine's not really a top three song. Um, no, but I agree with with what you're saying. I I agree with that. Yeah, I think everybody does real really get into it and I think that even the fringe fans who know the hits know this song. I think um, Riot Act might have a little bit of a nostalgic place in my heart. I, I remember that's kind of when I really started to get into Pearl Jam heavily and uh, it was with Riot Act. You know, my brother had given me the album and I'm like, okay, this is cool. And, you know, listening back on it now, it's not the best, but I think it's definitely underrated. But I Am Mine always stood out being younger and not really knowing the full Pearl Jam catalog yet. I just thought this was a great song, and I really love how Eddie sings it live. He does all these little kind of different variations on his voice, uh, and he nails it every single time. I don't think I've ever heard a bad live version of I Am Mine. It's not even like it's a hard song either. It's um, not, yeah. It's not, but you know what? It, that, that doesn't mean... It's not straining on his voice. No, but it, it doesn't mean that he maybe won't forget some words sometimes, but uh, he just seems to, to nail this every time, and the band sounded really good on it. And uh, this has always been, for me, one of the ones that, you know, we talk about songs bringing up a lot of emotions, and especially Pearl Jam songs. And you were talking about release, and Jimmy and Allie were talking about how, you know, they really kind of welled up during Given a Fly, especially after having gotten engaged to the song uh, the night before. But yeah, I Am Mine always did that to me. I don't know why. I just, that song kind of is emotional to me for some reason it does hit a yeah it does hit a lot of people hard uh you see all the time people post their tattoos hey i got a new tattoo and it says uh the in-between is mine um i regret not maybe getting that tattoo 10 years ago because it would be really stupid to do it now but <laughs> what are you gonna do yeah i it, it's kind of you're right it, it is in that boat with release and giving the fly where they the lyrics just uh they hit you in a spot of like, you know, whether you're in, you know, a changing atmosphere or time that's uh, kind of hit you hard in your life. You can look into the song and say, you know, like somebody's with me on this and somebody's kind of speaking to me. It's one of those uh, that do that. Yeah, it's not even honestly, it's not even that deep for me. It's just I remember seeing the music video. I remember getting the album. I remember that being the first song that I heard coming off that album mm -hmm. and that was when I really started to really uh, heavily get into Pearl Jam so uh, that song always just held that special place in my heart and uh, people will disagree they might not like the song or that album but it's it's all a personal thing it's where you were at the time we go from I am to you to you huh. that's a really shit joke uh, but I thought it was fine 
eh, you know, I, I won't give myself credit. But uh, we weren't going to get you tonight, and I wonder if it was a last-minute decision off of, hey, uh, some setless leaks came out, and, uh, you know, maybe let's switch up the rare song. We were supposed to get Leatherman, um, but we got you instead, which I prefer. Because I'd seen Leatherman a couple times, I'd never seen you before. So this is this was one of the new ones that I got today, or Tuesday, I should say. And it was a re- it was a really really fun performance too. Oh, of course. Uh, it's one of those I always kind of forget how it starts. Yes, me too. Me too. With the little boom 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 boom. Yeah. Uh, took a sec. Took a second. Took a second. But once you get into it, you're like, oh, of course. I, I would rather hear you more often than down. I know you're a down. Fan, I am a down. But, uh, I'm a down. down but uh, no, man. Down was a complete downer the night before. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm really happy we got you. Yep. And uh, to give you some stats on that, it was the 24th time since 2000 that they played it. They played it at Wrigley Night 2, I believe. And before they played it Wrigley Night 2, it, it had gone 80 shows since they had played it. So this is something that every three to four years that they get back into and they play maybe twice on a tour, and we were lucky enough to get it this time. And after you is Evenflow. Not much to say, but Mike was killing it again. They go on the mic, and Eddie does his, hey, that's Mike McCready. And he says, Mike McCready, uh, Mike, Mike said he had a little bit of a sinus infection today. and uh, Yeah, he said he was on drugs. <laughs> yep. And I, I'm just glad it's sinus infection drugs and not anything else. So we go from even flow into probably one of my favorite Pearl Jam songs ever, uh, especially live. And this time we get it with a little bit of a twist. So uh, here it is and see if you can kind of figure out what the twist is. So Immortality, and I'm thinking at first, I'm like, why did he add new lyrics? Then I did a little bit of research on it, and it turns out that they were actually old lyrics. These are the original lyrics, I believe. Yeah, so it goes back to, uh, I heard somebody talking about the 
Orpheum show uh, that just got released on vinyl. And um, I got my copy. I did not get the colored version, though. I was not one of the lucky hundred. Oh, man. I know. Chris Buckley was uh, was curious if I had gotten the colored vinyl. Chris, I did not get the colored vinyl. I wonder if they're if it's actually in Newberry comic stores and not just online, because uh, there's a Newberry by me and I would definitely go and pick that up. I thought when I pre-ordered it, I thought it said they were all coming exclusively from the Boston Newberry. Ah, so that's it. I think it might have been a store exclusive, so okay. you might be able to get the colored vinyl there. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Um, but anyway, yeah, so I went back and I listened to when they played Immortality at the Orpheum, and it was, their, it was the second time they'd ever played it, which was, if it was before or like... At, right after Kurt Cobain had died, because it was April of 1994, and it must have been that week, because I know Kurt died really, really early in April of that year. So I went back and I, I wrote down the lyrics for how he sang it in Boston, and I went back and listened to how he sang it in Boston at the Orpheum, and it was pretty close. So here here are the lyrics that I got for the two verses. He pretty much kept the chorus a little bit the same, but the Some Die Just to Live line came in the first chorus. So I can take this on, pour a cup to share with everyone, need to feel some comfort in this world, which is a line he had said in the original. I won't take it all. I won't say that nothing's not my fault. Can't feel the future in the wind. It's hard to tell a little bit. I feel like I've got most of the lyrics, but... That was the first changed verse. The second one was, I could paint the moon with the light reflected in my room. All I need is a mirror for the glare. I could paint the earth with the love I feel for you and her, realized to alter in the air. That line I think I butchered. That was the only one I knew I definitely butchered. But those were the changed lyrics. And um, thinking about it at first, hearing the song live at first, I'm like, wow, Immortality is one of my favorite songs. It's one of my favorite songs to sing, and I know it by heart. I was just a little confused because I didn't know the history behind it. Listening to it outside the show, I think I love that he changed the lyrics back to what they once were. I think it was a really cool throwback, but I guess if I'm there, I wish I could have heard and sang the original version. But all in all, it's cool to hear back. It's cool to play back. There's something to uh, being able to say, you know, that he sang the the original lyrics, did a little bit of a throwback. That's cool to say. It's cool to keep with your stats because you'll probably, you might not ever hear that again. I, I was doing a little research on this too with the original lyrics and uh, I came across a quote. A lot of people had thought this song had been written about Kirk Cobain, but Eddie had said, no, that was written when we were on tour in Atlanta. It is not about Kurt. Nothing on the album was written directly about Kurt. And I don't feel like talking about him because it might be seen as exploitation. But I think there might be some things in the lyrics that you could read into and maybe will answer some questions or help you understand the pressures on someone who is on a parallel train. So not written about Kurt Cobain, but you could definitely see how you could maybe see that in a couple songs on Vitology, but apparently that is not true for that song or any song. I feel like it would have been impossible because that, I, again, I don't remember the date that Cobain died. Uh, I, I want to say it was like April 8th or something like that. It was really early April. Uh, it was uh, April 5th. April 5th. Thank you. Okay. So this song, uh, when they played at the Orpheum, it was April 12th. And I think the debut of Immortality Live was April 11th. 
And if he said that they wrote it in Atlanta, uh, it had to have been way before April. So right. I, I'm I'm with the band on this. I'm I, this is not about Cobain, but obviously they don't make music videos because they want you to see the song for however it pertains to you. So if you feel like it's about Kurt, sure, go ahead. Yeah, I thought that was just an interesting quote, and um, I didn't know how maybe the old lyrics had played into that, or how the new lyrics may have played into that, or why they were changed, or how they, they changed were mostly. Them, yeah, they were mostly the the same as to what Eddie was singing in Fenway from the Orpheum show, at least. Gotcha. Am I saying that right? I feel like I'm, I'm mispronouncing that Orpheum. I feel like I'm saying Orphan. Yeah, Orpheum. Yeah, I think that's right. <laughs> that's how I read it. Okay. All right. I just want to make sure I'm not. Last thing I want to do is look like that. I I don't know anything on this show. I think we're good. (laughs) There's a lot of things I don't know. But uh, what I do know is that they introduce out Bill Janovitz again uh, from Buffalo Tom. Our good friend Bill comes back out. Yep. And he does another very stereotypical, you know, oh, I went a whole speech without saying wicked. Like, eh, you know, eh, funny. Uh, but they go into Taillight's Fade again. And uh, I spoke about it a little bit on the last show. I love this song. And ever since they played it at night one, I've really been digging it, you know. I hope it's something that in the future that they can do without Bill because it could be one of their songs that kind of like how Crazy Mary is or another one of their covers where they can turn it into Pearl Jams. I would I would love to see them do that with Taillights Fade. Who knows if they will or not. You know, I, I don't really see the point in doing the same cover song two nights in a row unless it's something like, you know, Crazy Mary, which they've kind of made their own or, uh, you know, or their, or their enders, something like Taillights Fade two nights in a row, uh, you know. Until I saw it, and I thought it was so good. I'm so, I was really happy that they did this uh, two nights in a row. I had mentioned this on the on the first episode, but now I could talk about actually being there and seeing it, and it was great. I feel like you totally undersold how good it was when we were talking about it on the car ride, because <laughs> when they played it, it was so good. I, I could be wrong. I need to go back and listen to a clip of night two, but did they switch what they did on night two? Did they switch who sang the chorus and who sang the verse from night one to night two, or was it the same? No. I think Bill sang the verse, and I think Eddie sang the chorus. Okay. I think they still did that. I wasn't sure. I just I thought I heard something on the clip, and then I gotta I, I need to go back and listen. But um, if you say it's the same, I I, I trust that. But, I believe so. Yeah. I believe so. I was rocking out there. Which could have been pretty cool if they had switched it up a little bit. But sure. either way, man, this kicked ass. I loved it. I know. Ah, oh, so good. And I agree with you. Usually, I don't want to hear the same song twice back to back. But um, like they did in. 2016 draw the line they did one night without tom hamilton one night with tom hamilton i'm just like i just don't care about Aerosmith enough almost at that point you're doing it and tom isn't playing on it why do it at all because boston i whatever i don't i don't care like, i don't either the whole point is that tom hamilton was there and he was playing on it you know if you're gonna do it the second night yep. bring him in i mean you got janovitz coming back both nights and it was it was great if they had done taillights vade night two and bill janovitz wasn't there you might have said, well, this was much better night one because... Or they should have learned another Aerosmith song. Don't do the same song. I know, uh, you know, I don't really know Buffalo Tom that well. I just, and I'm going to get into him after this, but it's Aerosmith. Exactly. Everybody knows about a hundred different Aerosmith songs. You could have picked anything. So, well, let's move on from that. Next one was uh, Not For You with the Modern Girl tag. And... It goes into Nothing Man. So at this point, 
we've heard three different Vitalogy songs, and in all in all, uh, Vitalogy tied 10 with Song Plays for the Night, which I thought was awesome. Even the even the number of riot act songs I thought was uh, I this this is exactly what we were talking about about night one like this set has got so much diversity it's three riot act and also three avocados oh man dude this this set is is killer dude I mean <laughs> this is exactly what we were trying to talk about and I'm I'm glad we did this night one the night two of course it's it's in order but. Yeah, it, this this is now showing exactly what the hell we were talking about. Yeah, and th- this absolutely. is a perfect example. Now, I just wanted to say something about Nothing Man really quick, which yeah, um, which you you know I I love this song live. Uh, mm-hmm. It's great melody, uh, great kind of sing along song. I thought Eddie was um, extremely sloppy, really on on his vocals. I thought everything was performed very well. I thought his uh, vocals were just a little sloppy for me on this one. Not that he had forgotten it, but a little slurry, little slow. Still loved it, but uh, a little sloppy for me. You know what's funny is that in years past, Nothing Man has been like, it's been an all-star song. It's been a staple. You know, if they played 25 shows, it would probably get played about 14, 15. It only got played five times in 2018, which I think is a little low for it. That's interesting. So do you think if it's a shorter tour, do you think the the five times, do you think that's relative to if you no, play 14 times on a longer tour? No, I don't think so. I, I think maybe because it's a little bit of a straining song uh, because he goes really high in it. The, yeah. the last chorus is really high and the um, she don't want him, she don't need him is really high. See, I thought all that was performed very well. I thought it was more of the lower register verses. I thought he uh, just got a little lazy on. I guess. I I didn't notice anything, but I was just having fun singing the song myself, which is another amazing sing-along song. Yeah, I I think maybe it was because I was singing along with him that I realized I was like, I feel like he's dragging a little bit, but... It's possible. Just, just it's me. possible. Yeah. Uh, not for you is awesome too. I love not for you live and yeah. Sorry, we kind of we skipped over that real yeah. fast. That's yeah, that's really good. And like we were saying before, like you sort of forgot that they played not for you. It's not like it's a forgettable song. It's just that it blended so well with everything else that you say when you look back. That's right, they did play not for you. Oh. It did. So I had mentioned to Randy. Uh, when we were preparing to record, I was just running through the set list real fast and I saw Not For You and I said, oh, I totally forgot uh, that that was there. And then it came right back to me that they had played it. But Randy, you made a good point that it, it just fits in so well and it really it really just goes uh, goes kind of right through. I think it was just so well-placed. It just kept, like we were saying, the momentum, uh, just a well, well-crafted first set. So Agreed. Agreed, agreed, agreed. So we go into the next song and it introduces out Mark G- Juliana, who is Matt Cameron's personal drummer on his solo album. Uh, And he's playing Cowbell during Can't Deny Me, which is Matt's favorite song. (laughs) Um, Eddie said that he originally, he's just tongue-in-cheek here, uh, called it Voting as Your Superpower. And I will say this is the first time I heard it live, and I think I might like it live better than I like it on the recording. There's something... It's not that I don't like the song. I feel like the recording has something a little missing with just that, like, pause in the guitar track and the drum beat just being kind of over and over in the cash register sounds. Like, that's, you know, you you love the song, so go ahead and talk about it. 
I despise this song. I think this is I think this is one of the worst songs ever written. It has nothing to do with the message. It has nothing to do with politics. Nothing to do with that. This is just a bad, bad song. That's exactly what you said about the Missoula poster. It's a bad it has just nothing bad. to do with politics. It's just a bad poster. I actually heavily agree with what they did with the poster and with this song. I I fully support the messages. I do not support the song because I don't think it's a good song. I will say, however, live. Did you like it better live? Yeah, I said, yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. So what I really liked was, and um, you know, I love Matt Cameron. I like what he does in every song. The guy's a machine of a drummer. But I think he's also overlooked as a really great um, backup vocalist for Eddie. And it sounds nitpicky, but... I thought his I thought his harmonies on this song live were stellar. Uh, I thought Matt sang these harmonies so fucking good. I looked forward to like every chorus where he was singing his part. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, Matt, that sounds that sounds really really good. Still hate the song. That's MFC for you. I still I that uh, yeah. I still hate the song, but Matt fucking Cameron. I look at little things like that. I like listening to harmonies. I like listening to backups. And Matt does a great job on every single one of them. I think the one that Matt really shines, I think he really shines on Sirens. It's just such a perfect fit. Uh, not a song that I'd expect to have his backup vocals on. I always expected that Eddie would do just a double track on it or something like that. But I I think Sirens, it really works. But yeah, he's it's, it's very subtle when he gets in there. But when he does it, it really makes such a brilliant difference let's move forward with the set we have uh the three to end the first set are pretty common songs that you can hear on the radio almost every day including jerome aka jeremy with the yellow mellow sun and the mountain and all ah yeah whatever You, you you get it i i actually i actually going through uh the show there I knew it was going to be coming to a close. We're on, you know, song 14, 15 here. And I was like, there's no way they're not going to play Jeremy tonight, but they haven't played it yet. That was the time for it. It's better than the encore. That's what I was saying. I was like, it's, it's got to be up here soon, you know? Yeah. I had a lot of hope for the two encores after night one. And I'm like, we're getting Jeremy. It's, it's going to be now. Yeah, and I, I, I like it in the set here better than in the encore because I think when you're in the encore and you get hits, you're just kind of like, well, I've... I've seen it before and you know with all three of the the last and from Jeremy to better man to porch I think that all three of them I like better in the first set than in the encore because if if they're in the encore you don't hear it in the first set then you're anticipating them for later which means that you can't get other stuff that you might not be anticipating which we'll get to very shortly because the encore I feel like it was a complete surprise so right and i i really like this three spot at the end this jeremy Betterman porch because it, it really took the set home i don't really care for jeremy live anymore just because you've seen it a million times but sure the performance on these three songs fenway park was just electric at this point it was so good and uh just a funny little thing that i noticed the chemistry of the band on stage during these three songs was at its peak and i noticed something that was pretty funny um during better man the last chorus, you know, uh, Stone will come in. He does his little can't find a better man part. They were jamming with each other so hard. Uh, they were so into it. It was, uh, you know, it was Stone and it was Jeff and it was Mike that uh, Stone actually forgot to sing his part. And uh, he missed the first kind of can't find a better man part. 
notices big smile on his face goes over to Jeff's mic and and sings the rest of it out and I and I I wrote down on my notes I was taking notes you know like podcast nerds do during the set I said better man stone mrs q charming because it was charming it was he was it wasn't like oh geez you know I screwed up I got to go over here and sing they were having such a good time and he had the biggest smile on his face like oops you know it was like he sarcastically got back into it and it was like can't find a better man like it was like he kind of came over he's like oops you know I'll, I'll do it this time I thought that um, him forgetting to go up and sing that actually uh, made it better. Made it. Made it made it better for me because it just showed they were so into it this night, and the, the performance really showed. Yep. And Eddie during the song, uh, I think I thought it was a really good version of Better Man. By the way, it was a fantastic version of Better Man. Fantastic. Which there aren't very many bad versions of Better Man alive, but this one is especially very good. But Ed asks, "Can you find a better crowd? You know, Philly's okay. New York is good." Uh, but you can't beat a Boston crowd tonight. And, you know, he's pandering a little bit, but the Boston crowd was really, really good. You and I being Met fans, we, I think we appreciated that little Yankee dig there, too. So, uh, <laughs> and the Philly dig, too, while we're at it. <laughs> yep. We get porched to end the first set. It's nothing we haven't heard before, but there is your first set. I think it was 17 or 18 songs, but 17 songs and, and you know, porch not to downplay it. Uh, you know, it's, no. it's nothing new. It's a set ender, but it was great. It was a, it was a great performance again, going into the encore. Uh, you know, we get a couple minutes break here and I think that's where we got to talk to our friends behind us. Uh, <laughs> you want to tell the story about Ralph? I'll tell the story about Ralph, Ralph, if you're listening, How's it going? We had noticed behind us there was a there was a woman. She was singing over us every song. She was getting into it, and we were getting into it even more. Oh, she was rocking. So Randy leans over and says, I got an extra T-shirt. I got to give her a T-shirt. I'm like, absolutely. So we start talking to them, and uh, it turns out the guy, Ralph, grew up in the town next to where Randy and I grew up on Long Island and uh, graduated at the same, time, uh, the same class as a friend of mine. Turns out he is a mutual friend of ours, and I have been to get-togethers at Ralph's house before, so I, I, I knew him. It was dark. I, you know, I recognized him, of course, when the lights went on. But um, it's just funny those little coincidences. You know, it was uh, it was kind of cool. And we weren't even supposed to sit there in the first place. And then we meet somebody right behind us that we knew, which was really cool. So are you, are you not going to say what you did at Ralph's house? I, I'm. Yeah. Okay. I might have. Um, <laughs> I might have overserved, and I I might have. Um, Vomited in his kitchen sink. Yeah, 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 but vomited what? You have to, because uh, this is. Oh, the oh, oh, right. I'm sorry. It was the it was Sparks, the original alcoholic energy drink. But to let everybody know, I am a gentleman and I am polite. I did the dishes uh, when I was done. I <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! So Ralph, good to see you again. Don't even want to think about it, but yes, you Ralph at Ralph's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're into the encore. They're out now. Uh, they're sitting down, and Ed talks and says, next time they play together, we'll be in a studio. Huzzah! Hooray! Now, he kind of mumbled through this, too. He definitely said they were going straight to the studio. I've had my thoughts that maybe they've been underway for a little bit. I don't think they're going to be in the studio for that long. Now, he kind of mumbled this, but what we took from it was that it sounded like they said a support tour might be coming in October of 2019. So, yeah, and hopefully, we don't, you know, that's a paraphrase, I guess, but yeah, yeah, we are hoping. 
October, not September, right? Correct, because uh, Randy Dandy will be getting married. We're going to have a lot of stuff to do. So we're going to, yeah, hopefully we could we could pick it back up in uh, in October. But, you know, I, I'd say Pearl Jam is pretty good about keeping their word. So, so let's hope, because we need to keep this podcast going. We need some shows here. I agree. I agree. <laughs> um, and then he says that they'll play until uh, Ortiz or or Kevin Euclid drag them off the stage. He said, "What did he say? He said they were playing up until the latest they can to curfew, or until or until Euclid drags them off the right. stage, right?" And then he says, "No, Big Poppy's not here," which gets a, a Boston hack from them, the, the Big Boo. But here comes Kevin Euclid, who uh, apparently doesn't miss. A Fenway show in Boston. Walks right on on stage. Yep, and he does his uh, little patent. Uh, I used to call it like the violin-looking swing. I just thought it looked more like a like a like he was on a stripper pole or something. <laughs> Either way, it was fantastic to see him do that up on stage next to Eddie Vedder. I, I oh, love yeah. Kevin Euclid. I thought it was really hilarious. Yep, and here's another dedication. I don't remember what it was to, but it was the third Riot Act song of the night. time i ever heard it it is definitely one of my favorite riot act songs and it's such a a good cool down after a really rocking first set and um oh dude i i don't know i i I guess it sets the tone for the rest of the encore but the rest of the encore is so crazy that this was the slow it, it it definitely progressed because we go from Thumbing My Way. This performance of Thumbing My Way, was, it was beautiful, too. Oh, absolutely. This first encore here, uh, again, man, the crafting of, of this first encore is perfect. I mean, perfect. Might have been my favorite part of the show. Everything was hit so hard. Fantastic performance again. Yep. You get Imagine right after this. First time I ever heard Imagine live from them, and the Fireflies are back up, and everybody is singing. Uh, we have certain words for things. Most of them are explained in episode one. So listen to episode one if you haven't. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> the fireflies are, are the flashlights from the phone. Randy will say, you'll hear him say, the fireflies are out. And they were out on this one. It was like they turned the house lights up where we were under that overhang. It was bright as day. It was bright. Yep. And then from Imagine comes Matt's like favorite song ever, Crazy Mary. Probably my favorite Pearl Jam live song, and it's not even a Pearl Jam song. No, uh, but you know what? They helped popularize it, I, I, I would say. It's it's almost kind of scary. It's like a 
Uh, it's like a song you'd hear in like a haunted house or something. It gives me this. Uh, yeah, in a way. It gives me this feel. I feel like with this song, it's, it's a goosebumpy song. It's a goosebumpy yeah. song, and I'll tell you why. It's because when you listen to it, it's you visualize this song. It's like you're standing there oh, and you're looking at what Eddie's yeah. singing about. The tar paper shack. You can you can yeah uh, picture the tar paper shack. You can visualize her uh, outside the car with her hands flying from her side. It's almost nightmare inducing, and I would ha- I would have this nightmare every night if I could <laughs> happily. And then I, I think my favorite vision <laughs> of this, besides uh, the one night the thunder crashed, Mercy backed outside her window. So I love when you what you fear the most would meet you halfway, and mm-hmm. I could just see like a vision of Mary, like them intruding on her property, and she just like explodes into this she gets bigger and bigger bigger she turns into this like juggernaut giant she's like scaring the kids out of town or something like that i i I see that yeah it's such a a cool premise and the song has a lot of that it's almost like something out of it or something like stephen king wrote this song i think they should make a movie about crazy mary yeah i think why not i'm i'm in i'll write it you'll uh you'll help we'll do it the crazy mary movie and yeah, the music's already done, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, Boom and Mike were, oh my God, they were like best friends on this one. Off the rails on this one. They were just, they were going in. This Boom solo was, I might just be going, I might just be saying this because, of, you know, the night was so good, but Boom was just. He was on fire. Oh, just on fire, on fire. Yeah, they really were on fire. Yeah, that's, it was one of the kind of things you had to have been there to really appreciate it. Um, so we go from that into, we start getting into the hard part of the second encore with a song that had not been played all 2018 for ungodly known reason, uh, Comatose, our first of three avocado songs played, and it's played probably in a drop D, uh, tuned a little lower. I, I had mentioned this with um, Do the Evolution, how I said I didn't really like how it sounded in the in the dropped key. I'm going to backtrack a little bit, if you don't mind. I don't mind the dropped version of Do the Evolution as much as I thought I did. Of Comatose, you mean? Oh, oh. Yeah, no, I, I, okay. I, I, I don't mind uh, how it sounds because Comatose, I, I think, fell victim to this. This one in the lower key felt really slow. I was really glad we got it, and yeah. it's uh, one of my favorite songs to sing along to. But it felt slow, and I felt like it was because it was detuned a little bit. It was taken down. Not complaining. It did not ruin anything for me because it was fun. But yeah, it felt it felt a little laggy because of that. But it also made me like uh, the new key of Do the Evolution more because that all of a sudden didn't sound as bad, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I, I can see that. I, I think that this is a song that I can see straining Ed a little bit. Um, yeah. It's got some, a lot of high points. Even in the lower key, he was still up there. Yeah, yeah. I think he forgot, like, what was it? Like the, not pre-chorus, um, like the breakdown part. Um, I think he stopped singing that. Yes, he, he asked for audience audience's help on that one and they showed that yeah. guy singing it to him again man eddie took that in stride he was smiling he was laughing the band was loving it it just added to the night like you know what we're human we're up here and we're still we're still kicking ass yep uh and we go into go and into rearview mirror and uh two songs that you could hear constantly every single show and never get sick of um go is one of those that i feel like 
it's so versatile. They can play it anywhere. They can play it as an opener or, you know, fourth or fifth song in to really kind of kick off a set after the slow burn. Or they can play it in the encore and it still works. It works just about everywhere you put it. Yeah, I'm so happy you said that because I completely agree with you. This could go anywhere. Yet when they opened up, it still took me by surprise. Oh, that's what it does. That um, it still just takes you by surprise. Yeah, and I think it. I think it because in this instance, like there was some. You know, they end comatose and they go right into go. There's no talking, and they also no. Sometimes when they open with go, they kind of do what they do in the album. They do the boom, 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 boom. But this part, they just go into the wah-na-na-na. And like when you hear that, you almost takes a second to generate in your mind like, oh, shit, it's go. I wasn't expecting it. Um, I was expecting it to be played. Um, but you never know when it's going to hit because it hits hard. Right. And then right. almost until Eddie starts singing, you're like, oh, it's go. You know, it's yeah. still, I still hadn't realized, you know, who's really. Yeah. And I think like the two songs that give me the most energy when I hear them live are Go and State of Love and Trust. Yeah. I always, especially with Go, Go is probably why my voice was dead for as long as it was. Because um, I just, I scream it. Uh, you get, it, it, it fires you up that much that you just kind of get into a, a different mode, a different zone. And, it, you know, you're, you're going all out. So we go, go in the river mirror and there are no breaks there. It is like, it is seamless. And that's what a hell of a way to end the first encore. Oh my goodness. I think we just kind of sat in silence for a minute. Cause we just, and then we still had, I think I showed you my watch and I'm like, mm-hmm. it's, it, we have like 40 minutes left yeah. still. There is a long time left, you know? And, uh, and we just kind of sat and we're like, any, anything is possible. <laughs> what we, what we had kind of, um, theorized sort of happened coming up in encore two. And that was, are we going to get what was canceled for night one? Yep. And that's exactly what happened. I think overall out of the four songs that we missed from night one, we got three of the four. We did not get Sonic reducer, but we do get back-to-back Wasted Reprise, and Eddie Eddie loves to talk during Wasted Reprise, so he, he does it here. He talks about a Red Sox video production team member who was just, uh, he was given he was given a bad break, as Lou Gehrig would say, and he's now dealing with ALS, which is sad, and obviously Pearl Jam has spoke up about that before with Steve Gleason, and... Um, it gets sadder every time because you just see so many people that are dealing with so many families that are dealing with it. So a story that can hit home to so many people. And then they go right into the first play of 2018 for Life Wasted, which we have a clip of right here.
really quick, Randy. I think we skipped Smile. We did skip Smile. Shite. You're right. We were so ex- we were so excited to get into avocado <laughs> stuff here that was crossed off of night one. You know, not downplaying Smile because again, this was a this was a wonderful performance of Smile too. And you yeah. you called it too. I remember I remember you saying you were, you were saying expect Smile, and I said that's very realistic. Actually, what you had said was they had done another song that you said reminded you of Smile, right? Earlier in the set, I think the beginning of Tail Lights Fade right. sounds a little like Smile, right? And then, just a little bit. Yeah, I was having trouble like hearing it, but I, I think you're right. And then they did it. And you know what? That going back to the woman with the the 192 show sign, it said play Smile and Footsteps, so she got one out of the two, right? And uh, yes, this was another great version. I, I believe. Danny came back and played harmonica on this again. So, um, all right. So we went out of order a little bit. You know, so what? Tough break. You want to fight about it. And now let's get into Lifeways. I could edit it in order, but I'm no, not going screw to. screw it. Whatever. We'll, we'll, own, we'll <laughs> own up to it. So, uh, and once again, the second avocado song of the night that is uh, played down tune. Yeah, this is, this is also in a different keeper short. This sounded weird to me. You didn't like it? No, I well, I I loved it. I lo- I love I love avocado. <laughs> I love I love life wasted live. It was weird. It was it was just heavy, you know. And it really just yeah. shows you what kind of album avocado was. I mean, Eddie was, you know, those first four or five songs on the album. Like I always said, back to basics, just raw, real, just hard Pearl Jam. Mm. I, I think that stands true, and you could tell now because they're they're taking all those songs down steps in their live performances, and it shows you like that album kicked ass. And I don't care if you disagree with me; this proves it. <laughs> <laughs> I always love Life Wasting Live. It's another kick ass jam. So even though it did sound a little strange uh, with the key change, I'm I'm really glad we got it. Yep, agreed. Especially that we missed it the night before. So. All right, here's probably going to be the most talked about thing. It has already been the most talked about thing since the show, and people are still crying over it. And I I guess justified. Um, Every time you meet a fan at these shows, and they're a fan from way back when, and you kind of ask them, what are they going to play tonight? Or what are you dying for? I think 90% of the time, somebody is always going to say, tonight's the night they're going to do Dirty Frank. And I always think to myself, because I've heard it so often and seen signs like, Dirty Frank, you pussies, and things like that. I'm always just kind of like, all right, just give it a rest. Just give it a rest and don't do it It, or stop worrying about it. And uh, (laughs) they get done with Life Wasted and and you just kind of hear it kind of slowly goes into it. And they, and at first you're just kind of like, what's going on? Is this what I think it is? Let's play it for you so you kind of see what we're talking about. And they go into it enough where it kind of sounds like they are about to start it, but then they're like, nah. So that was, I don't know, what was that, barely 30 seconds long, 20 seconds long, something like that. Uh, 
I would venture a guess to say that most people that we met uh, that night probably were freaking out at this moment. That just that they played that little snippet of Dirty Frank. If you remember, I wasn't freaking out, and I'm, <laughs> I'm and I'm still not. And it's not because I wouldn't. You know, who wouldn't kill to see that? What what I was saying was that a lot of people. We almost got Dirty Frank. Could you you know we? I, can you believe we were that close? We almost got. No, we weren't that close. We didn't almost get it. They did the intro. They were never going to do the song. You were never close to getting it. Oh, boy. Yeah, they teased it, and I'm like, they're not going to do it, though. It's, there's n- it's impossible. They're just not going to do it, and they didn't. It's a troll. It's a total troll. Though. I love the tease, but I'm also very realistic, and I, I knew it, it wasn't going to go any further than that. <laughs> uh, you got a you got a little bit of a tease if if that's enough to to get you generating then you know what uh, maybe one of these days it will and uh, we will all just shit our pants together <laughs> and then you know you could stop saying we almost got dirty frank and then maybe we could say we got dirty frank but we didn't almost get it it they didn't almost play it they teased it and that's all that we were going to get from it yeah they loved they know how much the hardcore been been there since 92 kind of fans love this song and i feel like this was a complete troll job it wasn't even on the set list so all right so want to do some trivia time now yeah can can you guess how many times they've played dirty frank in full and can you guess the year when it was the last time they played it um just off the cuff. Just I'm going to say played in its full three. And I will say the last time it was played. Uh, I don't know. This is going to be a total shot in the dark. I'm going to say 2003. Um, I mean, you're not far off with either of them. Uh, you know, they were safe guesses. So eight overall. Eight overall. Yep. And 2006 was the last time they played it in Marseille, France. And I thought I thought I was way overreaching with 2003. A lot of them came in like 93, 94 ish. Do you know? Do you know who was at the the 2006 show the last time they played it? Um, n- not you. That would be your brother Steve. Oh yeah, which one? Uh, which one was, was that? The Mars- I don't. I can't pronounce this. Oh, name. was that Marseille? was that? Uh, was that in in France? Yeah, Mar. Is it uh, Marseille? Is that how you pronounce it? I'm. Uh, sounds familiar. I don't have it in yeah. front of me, so I don't know. But I, I know I know what you mean. Yeah, that was two, that was what was that like summer two thousand six? Yeah, that was uh, touring for Avocado. I yeah, yeah. Again, we bring up Steve, my brother, resident Pearl Jam fanatic. We're gonna try to get him on the show a few times because he's got a lot of good stories as well. And now you know that Steve, that bastard, has gotten one of the eight full performances of Dirty Frank. So yep. If you want to blame anybody, blame him. So we go into. Dirty Frank tees into Dirty Water, which is like the Boston anthem. Yeah, no, uh, actually, I did some research on this one. This is this is really cool. It's by the band, the uh, '60s band called the Standells, kind of like a, you know, like a Beatles, Monkeys, you know, one of those. It's '60s rock and roll, Beach Boys Just type rock thing. and roll. Yeah. So I did I did some research. The song "Dirty Water" is off of the album "Dirty Water," and that came out May 1966. It was recorded in Hollywood. Sorry. Uh, nope. Yeah. No. Hollywood and Seattle. Sorry. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I guess they I guess they did both. I think they're from L.A. The band was from L.A. Oh, okay. And here's where the kind of funny story comes in. The song Dirty Water was actually written by the album's producer, Ed Cobb. Now, it goes into Boston references in the song, and those are reportedly based on a, uh, an experience that the producer and songwriter Cobb and his girlfriend had with a mugger in Boston in the mid-60s. <laughs> No kidding. And it's funny because the, the, the Standells band members, they were all from California. Um, they had never even been to Boston. But uh, that guy, uh, Ed Cobb, the producer of the record, wrote the song Dirty Water about being mugged with his girlfriend in Boston in the 60s. Would have never pieced that together. That's And I, I, I like the song, too. This is when it uh, looks like uh, Janowitz and, and Danny Clinch came back out. Yep. Everybody um, comes back out. Yeah. Everyone came back out. But I really like the song, so I wanted to look it up, and I kind of looked up the band, you know, classic, you know, 60s rock band. But I wanted to look into this song, and I'm like, oh, God, that was really, that was, because I knew there had to be some kind of correlation to why, you know, why why they played that there. Of course. Um, especially a song I had never heard before. But I liked it a lot, so I thought that was a, a pretty funny story. That was fun. And I think everybody from Boston kind of knows that song, and I hope knows the history now behind it. I'm glad we do, and I'm glad we were able to kind of pass it along. Yeah, sure. Uh, and then they end the show. Uh, we're not going to spend too much time on it, but what we will say is that, you know, anytime that they're ending a tour like this, uh, you got to treasure the last three. And it's alive into Baba into Yellow Ledbetter, and it was just a very solid finish. And I remember posting and. And I posted like Baba into Ledbetter and I put a couple of crying face emojis and said, this is, this is it. See you next time. See you next time. Yeah. That's what it was. That's exactly what it was, man. Time to go home, you know? Yeah. They can't play every show. They can't play every venue. They can't play forever. And that's just, just the nature of it. Yeah. But no, man, I don't even have much PJ uh, post-show depression because we've, we got into this doing the show really quickly and preparing for it. And I had my birthday this weekend. So yeah. And, and you know, we've been researching a lot. We've been going a lot, you know, over all these stats and, and these different shows and we've been talking to so many people uh, about it. Maybe this is the cure. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. That, that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. We, uh, maybe, maybe we found a cure for post show depression. I mean, we literally are just kind of keeping it going and we're probably going to be keeping it going until their next tour starts. Yeah. Yesterday I, I, you know, we're taping this on Monday. I kind of woke up on Sunday and said, you know, this time uh, we were leaving. It was so weird. It was so surreal that we're at this point in the week. And we might look back on it in a month and be like, wow, can you believe it? It was just a month ago. And we've just like soared right past that. Granted, I want to go back to 900 Pearl Jam shows in the next month as it is. But this show is just so on the money. Yep. And uh, I'm going to hit the... Other cutouts here. Uh, second encore, I think after Comatose was supposed to be Know Your Rights. Correct. Some I, maybe in the second encore, uh, it was supposed to be um, Unthought Known, and then I think Evel- Unthought Known was supposed to be played before Life Wasted. I think it was supposed to be. Uh, uh, yes, yes, okay. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so probably Smile and Unthought Known. And yes, uh, I think I think that's what it was. Okay. Correct. And then we were supposed to get Do the Evolution before live, but we've seen, everybody's seen Do the Evolution a million times. It doesn't need to go We had talked about this. Do the Evolution there in Encore 2 before our live. I, man, I would have loved to have seen that. I think that's a very interesting point to put that at. 
you know, I'm very used to seeing it in, you know, around the, what, the 10, 11, 12 spot in, in a set one. And I think... I think that one's another one that's very versatile. Oh, man. close a first set. Dude. close a first encore. Uh, it could be third song in. They've used it just about everywhere. Right. And seeing that in an encore, too, was very intriguing to me. And I wish I had. I would have loved that. Um, so when I saw that, that, that that was a cross-off for encore, too, I said, oh, damn. That would have been good. Yep. And incredible weekend once again. And we we're so happy that we got that show. So let's uh, let's go into our ratings um, here. How many stick men would you give this show? It's tough for me not to just put the entire day, you know, into debate, into debate with that. It's yeah. Uh, I'm thinking about just the entire day and just how, how much fun we had with everybody. Uh, there and then just being followed up by just one of the best shows I've ever seen Pearl Jam do. I mean, I'm 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 not seeing much here that I have any problem with. Not a lot of flaws. And even the stuff that didn't sound good still sounded good. Um, this is just a perfect set in my in my opinion from start to finish. There's no downside. Nothing is out of place. Everything flows absolutely perfectly. I'd have to give this, I'm going to give this uh, maybe a eight and a half to nine stick men. And I'm only, I'm only, I would only take it down to eight and a half because it was 500 degrees <laughs> in Fenway Park that night. Oh, that's not the band's fault. I feel like I can't give anything a perfect score ever. I just don't, I think that's kind of lame. I yeah. think when you say 10 out of 10, yeah. I just, I, I can't do that. So considering everything, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go nine, and I'm very confident in in that answer. I, and that's my answer as well. Yeah. But as as you see, you know, Randy and I, we have we have these opinions, and and they're definitely varying from show to show here. And we read a lot of people that completely disagreed with me or with you um, about our review for the first night. So if anyone disagrees with Randy and I, saying that this is almost a, we want to know about it. More than agreeing. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, but if anyone disagrees and, and thinks that this show totally sucked, we are dying to know, uh, to know why. So let us know. Yes. Absolutely. Yep. Um, should I read a testimonial for the show? I'll try to get this in quick. Yeah, yeah, do a little read. Well, this is kind of from both shows. Uh, this is from Buckley. The, he says he overall probably liked Night 2 better, even though Tremor and Blood Night 1 was amazing. Happy about Out of My Mind with Army Reserve on Night 1. Uh, nervous about hearing the two covers back-to-back, but he's kind of in our in the same boat that we were in with Taillights Fade and enjoyed it. Uh, said he sat near a group of people both nights, the same people from the 10 Club seats. So it seems like if you get... 10 club seats somewhere, and then you do it for two nights, you're going to get them near other people. And we have uh, Nicole that actually said the same thing, that they were seated around the same people both nights, which is pretty cool. That That is a pretty cool thing. So As long as they're not total duds, uh, I'll sit next to the same people. Yeah. As long as they're contributing to my good time. Then. Of course. Yeah. Um, he loved immor- Immortality with the old lyrics. He didn't like how we didn't get any binaural, and I think that's a really, really good point to bring up. Um, I think that feeling is is mutual kind of across the board. That seems to be a complaint that people bring up a lot, and I I completely agree with it. You know, 
every now and again you got to throw uh, an of the girl or a break or fall or a grievance or or an in- insignificance. Right. Um, yeah. Fun weekend. Uh, you know, we're finally we're through the Fenway shows now. We've done it. They are now a little bit in our, our rear view and we've covered what was fresh. And now we're going to get to some historic shows. So we've already planned for next week's show for next Friday. We are going to be doing night two of Chicago at the United Center, August 24th, 2009. And uh, this was my significant. We were both at this show. This was the first time that I had ever traveled to see Pearl Jam. It was also my second time seeing the band. So there's a lot going on in that show, and I think it'll be interesting to talk about. But I, if you were at the show or couldn't make the show or have looked at the set list and said, gee, why didn't I go? We want to know from you guys what what you thought about this show so we can talk about it. We can share your experience with it and uh, we'll share ours. So before we go, why don't we cue the music and start our little public service announcement again, kind of tying into what we just said. Live on Four Legs is happy to present a weekly podcast dedicated to the Pearl Jam Live experience. While we try to get ourselves to as many shows as possible, we have only attended a small fraction compared to the entire live history. That's why we need your help. We want to get to know who you are. If there's a live show that you've attended that you'd like to see us cover in our program, please send us an email at liveonfourlegs, that's the number four, liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com. We want to know your entire live experience. Did you once miss a flight? Get lucky in the 10 Club Lottery? Catch a white whale? Your stories will help us mold this into the best podcast it could possibly be. You're already getting to know who we are. Now it's time for us to know who you are and that's a wrap on today's show and the Fenway shows I uh, I can't wait to get into some historical stuff here Matt I know I mean I was really excited to talk about these shows and specifically night two but this is going to be fun kind of going back into our history of shows that we've been to and shows we've been to together and just like uh, you know, I can't wait to research um, this next show because I, I really want to remember it as best as best as I can. Because I remember the whole weekend. You know, we went to mm-hmm. Cubs game. We you know we went into the city. It was uh, it was a lo- it was a lot of fun. And um, yeah, I can't wait to kind of go back down into a uh, memory lane. I do have a boot of it. If you want my boot, I can I can give you the boot. I thought I had one too, and I I it's not on my iTunes. Um, I'd have to look at my crate. I might have it burned somewhere. Okay, I'll let you know though if I need it. All right, perfect. Yeah, we'll get to this, and then after this episode, we'll have a poll up, which will give us what we're looking for for episode four, uh, which is going to come from you guys. It's going to be our first poll option episode. We got a couple of different choices from different uh, eras of Pearl Jam, you know, the history and the time time of Pearl Jam. So you guys will get to vote what you want to hear. That'll be up probably shortly before the Chicago show comes out. So look, right. look for that pretty soon. Anyway, we don't want to waste any more of your time. Cause you've been listening to us for the last hour and a half, two hours or so. So we hope you enjoyed this episode and we hope you come in for night three and this may be the end, but not for much longer. I miss you already. And I'll miss you always have a pleasant week and we'll see you next time.
Bye, guys. Bye.